Huzzah. Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and uh, this guy. Hey, the ghost of the, the, the 49er minor. What's going on? Hey, by the way, you've used that one before. Because I well, remember I it was feel like a ghost. The 49er minor, yes, for sure. I really tried to get a cut today. So, um, you know, first of all, we are the show that watches shows uh, about other shows and sometimes just about themselves <laughs> and shares those shows with people like you who like them because we want to like them. Those shows, Cliff. Yeah. What about you? Well, we'll tell you all about the streaming wars, where to stream it, and what to stream. That's right. what about me. Well, see, this is here's the thing. I am the descending gentleman from San Francisco today because I <laughs> wanted to talk to you earlier. All right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you earlier. I'm ready to go. But and but before I did the show today, I wanted to cut this monster beard off. All right. right. I wanted to cut this monster beard off. But yeah, I thought that was the plan. Somebody decided to run for stereo president today on the on the <laughs> stereo application and take my wife away as her his campaign manager. So you guys ran in a, uh, an entire uh, election event uh, on stereo. So now I still have my crazy beard. So I look like the weird independent. What is that? Uh, the Mr. Vermin or guy, the guy that wears the boot on his head still for another day, even though I was trying to get it all cleaned off. And and you know what the platform I'm running on is, right? Because I don't know anything about politics. <laughs> no, nothing about politics. no, I'm running on one form. That's it. Just one. If what you elect that? me president, I, Stephanie Smith, I am going to peel the lid off of aliens. I will get to the bottom <laughs> of this. I promise you, America. That's the only thing I'm going to do. I will leave everything else to people who know what they're doing. But I will get to the fucking bottom of aliens. That's it. Vote for me. 2024. It's, oh it's my goodness. Kanye, so I mean, you know, weigh your options. What a platform. 2024 is gonna be a disaster. And I just I'm I'm just I'm just here for everybody to say it. No, but um oh that's fun. I mean, disaster. you guys were having so much fun on the show today. You know, I I was listening to it all, I was just giving you a hard time. But that was that was the thing. I was like, I go to my wife, I was like, You guys can't cut my beard now. She's like, Oh, oh, I guess I can't. Like I love her. Are you now is she are you gonna cut it all and you're gonna be clean shaven or are you gonna just do the the trim? Just the trip. Like, I mean, it's gross. Like, it is so much longer. My, Want to know where my, my chin actually ends? Yeah. Here. <laughs> I just all this is weird. From here, all the way down his beard. There's some blue belly warblers living in there. <laughs> and the Keebler elves have, have exactly. uh, co-opted a certain yeah, section it's, there. It's getting gross. It's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely one of those things where I was... Uh, uh, <laughs> makes my I'm mustache look appealing. Look yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it, it does. It well, just because you don't have to eat it, every everything doesn't have to taste like it. But I did like your platform; it just made me feel very good. I know that you're not always into the, the political side of the fence, but it's fun to uh, at least we have somebody who's really ready to finally rip the lid off yes. of the aliens. Aliens. That's all I want to know. And listen, you know, all of this stuff with with politics is fine, but I want to leave it to the professionals, like you know Samantha B, people who know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, and I do not, but I promise you, I will find out about aliens. And really, isn't that all we want to know? Underground <laughs> bases in Antarctica, what's happening, and where are the aliens? How long have we been in touch with them? Because they're real. We've already established that. <laughs> it sounds like you um, you you accidentally fell asleep during the the news and work, uh, woke up inside uh, John Carpenter's thing and didn't realize the news was over. Um, but that's cool. No, I woke up inside John Carpenter's. They live. <laughs> That's what happened. I was like, oh, shit, the glasses. By the way, I'm just practicing how I'm going to sit in the Oval Office. The rowdy, oh, is that how you'll sit? Yes. You'll sit like you had just a little too much uh, Thanksgiving steak or turkey? But with, but with the meditation hands, like oh, His Holiness it. the Dalai Lama. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. That's all. I got it all covered. Jason, 
Are you excited about our guest today? I am very excited about our guest today. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous because she's really smart and she's so on point. I mean, she comes from the Daily Show and now she's the EP of uh, Full Frontal with Samantha B. And she is uh, a formidable, a formidable human being. And uh, I am looking presidential, aren't I, Stephanie Smith? Thank you, my my campaign manager and future chief of staff, Stephanie Smith. But but really, you know, we've interviewed so many people on our show over the last year, and for some reason today, it, it's just one of these things. Allison's coming on, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna let just I'm gonna let her talk. <laughs> she's yeah, so you, you know what, Allison, you can hear us right now. Good luck with that. He says that right now, um, but we'll see how it goes. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So should we get yes. into this? Because I'm very excited to talk to her. Absolutely. Let's do this. Okay. So without any further ado, uh, the executive producer of the multi-award winning show, Full Frontal with Samantha B. Ladies and gentlemen, Allison Camillo. Yeah. Wait, where's my applause? There it is. Hi, Allison. How's it going? Good. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for being here. So are you in LA or New York or where are you? I'm in New York. How's it going over there? You know, it's not it's not as bad as LA. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, right? I know. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's not so bad. I live in a neighborhood where everybody's very mask compliant, and so it's well, nice. It seems to be pretty good. We're kind of holding in, but you know, me and my family are just sort of hunkered down in our apartment right now. So I think that would actually be a great thing to see on um, if you're house hunting or apartment hunting, like. You know, doorman, it's got an elevator building, mask compliant, like yes. it's actually a phrase that's being used inside the thing. So, you know, it's not a crazy fucking place. Yeah, no realtor right. term. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it should yeah. be a part of the retail. The retail. Makes it sexy to me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I walk around Calabasas and there's people, they got the masks on with their nose hanging out. Oh, yeah. there's no mask. I'm like, listen, just, just, I don't care if you think it's real, you don't think it's real. Just wear the mask. Exactly. Just pretend at least. Come on. <laughs> so, okay, so I want to go back for a second um, because I'm, I'm very interested in how you find this path because you did the Daily Show as well, correct? I did yes for 18 years. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. a that, that that that's a full career. You could have retired. <laughs> totally, totally, but instead you go on to do another award-winning show. So 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 let's start. You went to college, obviously, right? I did. I went to the University of Virginia. Okay, very good school, very good uh, political school, right? And and yeah. also a good medical school. Yes. Really good medical school. Yeah. yeah. By the way, are you impressed that I know that? I am impressed. It's good. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you watch as much TV as I do. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. No, it's great. Okay. So, so you go to University of Virginia. Now, do you always know as a child, you know, even early on that you have this, you know, interest in politics? Yeah. Well, I think my interest in politics sort of started a little bit later, but my interest in TV started from the moment I was born because I was definitely like, <laughs> You know, kid of the 80s would come home and watch like Oprah, Brady Bunch, anything I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And then even when I was like five years old, I just remember there was one day when it hit me and I was like, oh, my God, there are people who like this is their job. Like they work for TV. And so from that moment on, I knew I wanted to work in TV, but I didn't so know how I was going to get there. 
Okay. So what, what do you, okay. So you're also, and, and let's be really clear. You're in a very toxic environment that is male run. Yes. And you know, you're a young woman who's coming yeah. into this, you know, and you're facing this, you know, I, I, hate, I hate to sound like cliche, but you're facing this, you know, horrible patriarchy. And you know, it's like, how do you start to navigate that? How do you even start at that time to say, this is something that's feasible for me to do. And what was the battle like? You know, I, I think I kept hoping that I would find something else besides TV that was super interesting to me and I just never found it. So it's like, you know, I went to UVA, had this love of politics, love of TV. After I graduated from college, I started working at like, you know, the Department of Molecular Physiology and Biological <laughs> Physics at UVA. So I was just sort of like biding my time trying to figure out what I was going to do. Wow. And then once I hit 25, I was like, okay, I either have to like go to New York and try to work in TV or just give it up. And so I came to New York and went to see The Daily Show because it was my favorite show. And I was in the audience and I pulled a PA aside and asked if they had interns and they said yes. And so I went to Columbia Computer Lab that night and typed up my resume and then got a job that way. Okay, wait. I just <laughs> want to be clear about this. The first fucking person that you pull aside. I mean, if yeah. you're telling me, you ever read The Alchemist? Uh, no, I haven't. There's a quote in The Alchemist that says, when you want something bad enough, the entire universe conspires to make it so. Yes. That's I feel like I that's thought. your life. Yes. No, that's exactly how it feels. And so I feel like I've spent the past like 23 years trying to give back to other people because I've been so incredibly lucky. Like it's literally like the first thing, like people have definitely helped me out a lot. So I, I've tried to give back as much as possible because it's great. It, it's incredible. So you may, yeah. do you remember that PA? Like, do you remember what they look like? Yes, I do. I'm actually still friends with his wife on Facebook. <laughs> how awesome is that? Like for real? Totally, right? That's really great. So yeah. so you, I mean, that's pretty sick though, that you, you go that night, you fill out, yeah. you make your resume. And how long did you get the job within weeks and you're an intern? You're not getting paid, right? No, no money. Yeah. No, yeah, no money whatsoever. I wasn't right. getting paid, but I did get the job within like, it was like a week later, they had a phone interview with me. So I knew I had the job in like two weeks after that. <laughs> and then I moved to New York with my best friend, Sam. And uh, we found a place to live that was like super cheap. And had was full of mice, but it was fine. And that's what we did. We ate a lot of bagels and pizza, and we were like super duper fat, but like having a good time. And I was working at the Daily Show, so it was great. Okay, so so you're working at the Daily Show. So what are your, you know, how does this turn from you rising up the ranks? How does this happen? So I, it was basically, I mean, it was 18 years, so it was very slow. But I, you know, I've always been one of those people that if I'm in, I'm 100% in. So even when I was an intern, I was like, I was like the George Costanza, but real. Like I was like the first person who was there in the morning and the last person to leave at night. Right, but you and weren't was, sleeping under the desk. I wasn't sleeping under the desk. <laughs> okay, just making I fun. didn't park my car in the lot or anything. But I um, I just wanted to know like everything about TV because I really didn't know anything. So I just pulled as many people aside and talked to as many people as possible and tried to like help them out in anything that they needed. Like if people needed coffee or a sandwich, or I would do anything for anybody just to try to like, make contacts and learn about what they did. And then I, you know, the executive producer at one point, like six months in was like, I want you to be my assistant. And her name's Madeline Smithberg. She's like the best person in the whole world. And that was really just the start of it is like, you know, she let me in and she let me in in a real way to like what the inner workings of that show were like. And she exposed me to a bunch of stuff and I learned more from her than I've ever learned from anybody. And then I just sort of like, you know, found my spot in the Daily Show field department and was there for a while. And then that's where I met Samantha B. 
Okay, so the Daily Show field department. So, so you're a young person, and now yes. you're in the middle of the argument. Yes. Right? You are yes. thrust into the midst of the argument. Yes, absolutely. So what are you, you know, these things are flying by you. Did you immediately acclimate to it? Did it take a minute? And, and what, what can you tell me is the first thing you remember really learning from being put in that place that made you, you know, sort of get further in yeah. your career? I mean, I think, I think what it is, honestly, I've definitely like a person who've always, who's always like thrived in chaos. So like, I like to have chaos around me and I'm always like the cool headed person in the room. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I learned first was basically that the cool headed person in the room is the person everybody turns to and says, what do you think? How can you solve this problem while everybody's sort of freaking out around you? You know, Uh, that's very interesting. Did you you, just total slight digression? Did you like newsroom Aaron Sorkin show? Yes. It was so weird. good, right? Yeah, totally. Weird. <laughs> Loved but good. It. Yeah. But it made me think of Alison Pill when you said that. Yes. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Because yeah. yeah, it's like every, you know, it's sort of like every show you kind of have like a group of characters and there's always one character who's sort of like the cool headed problem solver. <laughs> and so like, that's why I was like, okay, I could probably be a cool headed problem solver. So you figured out your role pretty early on as yeah. to how you can, you know, your brand, let's say. And yeah. then do you recall the first idea you were able to pitch that got used? Oh my God. Um, it's so long and so many years and so many Mm -hmm. ideas. It's like, it's hard to remember. I mean, I think, you know, even at the very beginning too, they were like, the daily show was really great because it was sort of like a teaching hospital for TV. So they would let you do a whole bunch of little things. And I, I do remember like the first thing I ever got on the air was there was an old head writer at the daily show named Chris Kresge, who let me used to write the intros for guests. Wow. And that was when I was like, I mean, I was an assistant back then too, but he was just like, you know, he was very into like, Hey, let's like see what you can do or whatever. So it's basically like introduce this person, say what they're working on in one joke and in. And so that was really the first, my first like exposure to getting something on air and listening to like John Stewart say a thing that I had written, which was amazing. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's through the roof. Amazing. So Yeah, it really is. I mean, and by the way, I know it's a little late, but congratulations. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, so tell me, how do you first, you first meet her in the field department, but how do you first meet her? What's the first meeting and how you guys become friends and eventually collaborators? Yeah. So it's so funny. Samantha's like the nicest person in the entire world. And she reminds me, she's like 98% similar to my actual sister, Jennifer. And so I felt like as soon as I met her, I already knew her. Do you know what I mean? It was like, we just had like an unspoken language and we just were interested in the same weird stuff, like, you know, really gross parts about childbirth and things like that, and like women's issues. And so we kind of like immediately sort of sought each other out. And she was not only like a person that I would go to to talk about work things, but then she was also a person that I would talk to about other things just because she's so incredibly interesting and we had like so much in common. So we just became friends really quickly on the show, which was and great. Are you both rising up together at this point? Oh, definitely. I mean, she, at this point she was a correspondent, but she had just started as a correspondent. So, she, and she, you know, she literally had just come from Canada. So this is like her first exposure in the United States. She doesn't know anything, but I, I just remember too, it's like her first audition at the daily show it's so funny because there's a couple of people in my life that I've seen who you look at them in their first five seconds when they're auditioning and you're like, they're going to be a superstar. And she right. was them for sure. You knew it then. Now you didn't know you were going to go on to have a show together. Did you? No, totally. But even when I first saw her, she like just knocked it out of the park in this, like in the most amazing and like unique way. Like she, like that's the thing about the daily show correspondence is it, it took them all a while to figure out their own voices. Like even Steve Carell, when he came on, 
he was great, but it took him like a beat to figure out like, oh, my character is somebody who is nervous that John hates me. And then he like exploded after that. Do you know what I mean? Like he just needed that one little bit of motivation. But like from the moment Sam came into the studio and auditioned, she had it. She already, she knew who her character was, which was amazing. That is amazing. And then how do you go from there to, you know, you know, the show? I mean, cause it, does it come out of the daily show? I mean, obviously it does, but what's the process? Yeah. So, um, you know, Sam, Sam and her husband, Jason have had a bunch of ideas for different shows and things that were going on. This was the point where it was sort of like, you know, John's talking about retiring. People are talking about who's going to take over the daily show. Um, Sam had her own ideas and she's always been a person who has very specific passions about things. You know what I mean? Like, so she loves talking about women's issues. She loves talking about like nuns. She loves talking about childbirth. She loves like the bees that she raises. So there's all these very specific things and there's stuff that she's super passionate about. And mm -hmm. she just had a bunch of issues on her own. So she actually pitched a show to a guy named Tom Hinkle, who used to be a researcher on The Daily Show, but then was one of the head people at TBS. Wow. And they loved the idea for the show. Um, and then it went from there. Sam was like, you know, she came to me pretty quickly and was like, I just want you to be on the show with me and we should figure it out. And, you know, we started from a place where it's like, I think that sort of like the seed of the show is to take issues that should be super important in the world, but aren't getting talked about that and to shine a light on them to try to get mm -hmm. people excited about them. And so that was sort of like the basis of the show. And so that's where it started. Okay. So let me go back for a second. Cause you, yeah. you said something that I'm just interested in knowing when they were talking about who's going to take over John's seat. Cause I, I do remember yeah. this. This was a yes. big deal. It was, it was, just, deal. It was yeah. like as big a deal as who's going to take over Johnny's seat. You know, uh, when it happened, it was, uh, you know, Johnny Carson for yeah. anyone who doesn't know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, was Samantha ever in the mix for this? What do you got, Chase? Nothing. I was just saying Johnny. Oh, that's Johnny Carson. As he mansplains <laughs> to the lady working in late night. <laughs> it wasn't for the lady. It was for the listeners who are young. She knows everything. I told you she's smarter than me already. Please no. don't listen to him, Allison. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I mean. Yeah, it was it, it was weird. It was like it, they were very, uh, very guarded about who was in the mix. Everybody thought she should be in the mix, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah. it, it, it she wasn't in the mix as much as she should have been. You know what I mean? Like in my head, it was it should have been she should have been number one as far as like who could possibly take over. But yeah. she was, you know, the, the most senior correspondent. And she's also just like incredibly like brilliant and hilarious all the time you know she wasn't their number one pick and kind of like you know had talked to a bunch of people and was feeling that and that's when she was like okay i think i'm gonna go do my own show and you're there during all this i was there during all of it yeah okay so so what is the decision there and and please tell me if i'm treading on anything what is the decision no, no. there to go outside and not you know promote from inside i was really kind of shocked and, and it lost me yeah you know i but the thing is i think i kind of understand it um, I think, and this is just me, like a hundred percent, my hypothesis, yeah. but I feel like John wanted his show to be like, this is like the chapter of John's show. You know what I mean? And then when it ends now, it becomes something totally different with a, a new host who can really like build it from the ground up. And I think that's what Trevor's done. You know, mm -hmm. I think that like, that was like an intentional choice for them. And I think it was a great decision because Trevor's done such a good job with the show. So, yeah, people have uh, sort of put him into the beloved column at this point, right? Yes. And he's a really nice guy, too. He is. is he? Yeah, he's great. 
Okay, because he seems so nice on screen. It makes me think like he uh, litters and kills cats because he's so sweet. And I'm like, this. no one can be this sweet. Totally, totally. I mean, maybe he does, but at least at work he is very nice. <laughs> That's great. So so when you, so she sells the show and now it's on TBS and she asks you to come over. So you have to leave the yeah. Daily Show. This is a big decision. It was a huge decision. Yeah, it took a, a while too because it's like, you know, I have a husband, I have two kids. At that wow. point, they were, they were both under six, you know, so you, you're like, do I take a chance on this thing? That's like, it was at that point, they had picked it up for a six episode run. Or do I stay at the daily show, which is like a sure thing. And it's been like an institution for two decades, you know? And and where are you in the daily show at this point on the hierarchy? Like, had you reached EP rung? No, 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 no. I was much lower there. I was um, the coordinating field producer. So I was just basically in charge of like, logistically making sure everything in the field department came together. And then occasionally they would let me work as a producer on field pieces. Okay. So, so, yeah. but still it's job security for, it's you know, security. you yeah, can still have it. Exactly. Totally. And it's like, it's health insurance for your family and it's, yeah, exactly. Big. And, and so you get together with your family and you make this decision with your husband and you say, yeah. you know, let's all talk and, and I'm going to take the chance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's scary. the thing too, is that it, it's scary, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you, I was starting to get those same feelings of when I first saw Sam audition, like I could mm. see how passionate she was about it and you know, it's going to go. Do you know what I mean? Like you can, you can feel it coming. You can see like the tidal wave is starting to swell. Like it's definitely going to be a thing that goes and just the group of people that she had kind of pulled together to work on it with her are just some of my like favorite creative people in the industry. And it just felt like this is going to be a thing that makes a big splash, you know? I mean, you, you know, hindsight, you're, you're correct at the time though. It's, it's it six been, episodes. Yeah, exactly. It could have been a bad decision, you know? Well, I mean, thank God you're sitting here and, and you know, it all worked out. How far into the first season were you when you found out that this thing is popping and go, was, getting picked up? I mean, it was really, I think it was like after maybe episode two or three, like mm -hmm. it was, it was very clear that it was people, it hit a point, it hit a something and people that it really affected and it made them want to watch more of it. And I, I think that that was, there was just like an energy that it came out with that mm -hmm. really, it really spoke to people, you know? What do you got, Jason? I was just wondering if it was Sam's choice to, uh, to remain standing the entire show. Or it was. Who made that decision? It was Sam. Yeah. It was, you know, she tried out a bunch of things too. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting that you bring that up because all of those things are very specific decisions for her. So it's like, even like the standing, was one. And then they tried to put her in a dress at one point for a test show that it just huh. didn't like it. You know what I mean? Like she needs to be sort of like in her kind of like football stance, like she's ready to like <laughs> give it to you. And just the dress wasn't working. So it was like a dress and heels. And so they switched from a dress and heels to pants and a blazer, which is like, if you saw her walking down the street, she's in pants and a blazer. So it was sort of like a more comfortable place for her. And that's where she could really like just deliver it right down the barrel, the camera. Well, well, let me go back to Jason's really good question because, you know, right. that is, but it is really, it's a great it question is. because that is a huge decision to decide, you know, I'm going to stand the entire show. I'm going to be in yeah. front of the screen. You know, it's like, and, and, and what is the, was there a specific reasoning for the standing? Yeah. I think it's just because it's like, it's so much more energy. Like we knew this was a show that was going to have more energy anyway. And so to sit down, it's like, you're kind of bringing everything down and it's like, nobody had, I mean, it seems so dumb, but nobody had ever stand, stood before. 
I'm thinking about it now, and I'm going, who the hell stood? Before it was really disarming. It was. It, it really was. Like she's gonna stand this whole show. She's yeah. not gonna sit. Like I wanted to bring her water a couple sit. times the first episode. I know. Totally. It's so funny when you think that like that's revolutionary, but the standing was very revolutionary, and it was like it was perfect for her. And she could just sort of like keep her energy up here the whole time and wasn't sort of lost behind a desk, you know? And then how are you, you know, so now you're doing, because it's not a pilot, you're picked up for six, right? So when yeah. you're entering the first show, is 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 it different then than let's say it is now? Or are you still approaching everything with the same importance as like, this is the only shot we have? Oh, a hundred percent. I think uh -huh. we're like, we're literally a group of people who always feel like we're going to get fired at any minute. Like that's just the way we live our lives. But at the same time, like the gift that that gives you is that it gives you this like intense immediacy and drive to get something done like A plus every time. See, that's more proof that I have, you know, I'm Jewish. It's more proof Italians and Jews were very alike. <laughs> Totally, totally. I constantly think it's all going to fall in, right? Right. Was the shoes going to drop? Exactly, exactly. It's defensive <laughs> pessimism. Like you have to keep the bar very low. You know what I mean? Like where you're like, oh no, somebody's going to take it all away from me any second. Yeah. Right, I spent uh, two thirds of my life rehearsing for tragedy. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Right Let me there. just get ready for that to be horrible. Yes, right. yes, totally, totally. <laughs> so, so do you recall how you came about? Because. It seems to me that especially when you're doing a show of this, at this level, of this importance, you know, you're going into your, I, I'm going to call it the pilot episode, you know, just because it's the first. How do you decide on those issues going in the first, first show? Well, I mean, I think it was very clear at that point, but it was so interesting, the timing of how this rolled out, because mm -hmm. it started at the beginning of February, and that's right when the presidential election was heating up. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's very clear what it's going to happen. We went in with one idea about what the show was going to be. And then all of a sudden it just got completely usurped by the presidential election. And and how did you go about, uh, you know, compiling your, your writing staff? Did you take people from The Daily Show? Like, how were you looking to gather your crew? Um, our head writer at that point, she, we actually like you modeled it kind of after The Daily Show. The Daily Show does blind submissions, which basically means that like, you take all the names off of the submissions so that you get it and you read it and you go, Oh, Hey, this is really funny, but you have no idea who it is. And so that's basically how we did all of the submissions for the writers is to, you know, have everybody submit, you know, ask friends, ask people that we knew, ask people that were leaving other shows that might want to do something like that. Ask some people who had never worked in TV before, but were just really funny and then went through and looked and picked the funniest people. And have you kept the same? We have two writers who are still the same. Yeah. I and, think and how big is the staff, the writing staff? The writing staff is about 10, I think. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's a big machine. It's a big machine for sure. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's funny too, because it's like every voice that we bring on as a new writer changes just a little bit, you know, it's like you, because everybody's got their own like quirks and it's like, this is a type of show that's like written from a place of like passion and anger so it's like everybody's kind of like irritated by different things. So you bring mm -hmm. on the new people and it kind of like just shifts it a smidge, you know, which is great. What are your favorite topics to get into? Oh my God. I have so many, so many top, top five. Okay. Top, top five. five. Yeah. I would say gun control. Mm -hmm. And then the other four are varieties of women's issues. <laughs> okay. But yes. this is important, right? Because really what we're seeing for... I, I don't want to say the first time, but I kind of feel like it is. We're seeing a full, you know, frontal, so to speak, of the yeah. woman's point of view run by women, you yeah. know, 
owned by women yeah. and saying this is how it affects women and also how it affects men, but this yeah. is how we see it. I can't recall another show. Can you? Uh, no, I can't. And, I, you know, and it's become super clear at specific points in history like that we have a place to speak from that nobody else can speak from. So it's like, you know, when the whole like Harvey Weinstein thing hit, it was yeah. like we were all just like stunned. But at the same time, we felt a real responsibility to women to like accurately portray that anger that every woman was having. You know, it's like we had a conversation in the writer's room, like after that went down, that was basically, it was a real like therapy session because it's all of a sudden you start to realize like so many women have been through similar things. You know, it's like when the Me Too movement started, like every person in our room could say Me Too, you know? Oh, I'm so sorry. That... It, but it, it's just, but it's also like to be around other women who are like that right. and just say like, we have the gift of this 21 minutes a, a week on TV to talk about it is an amazing thing. Yeah, and to think we didn't even think you could vote. We didn't <laughs> want to let you vote. I know, totally. <laughs> just let them stay home. They can't vote. Yeah, <laughs> they shouldn't have a say in this. Exactly. And it's just to me, it's like it's just fun to be around a whole bunch of women. It's fun to be at a show that's run by women because they're different things that are important. Like we even we started a maternity leave policy that's we basically give people 20 weeks paid when you have a baby. So instead of like punishing people for having children, it's like, no, 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 we want you to have families. We want you to have good lives. We want you to have time to bond with your child, you know? Five months paid Five vacation? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Wait. That is well, fantastic. First of, all, first of all, I just want to call something out. It is not a paid vacation, Cliff. <laughs> okay. I, I'm sorry. I, I can't carry really life. I, I can't carry life. What do I know? I don't know much. It's yeah. really a good point. This is why I'm, I'm running for president, because I don't know anything. <laughs> I feel like I'd still be better. Yeah. <laughs> not then not then the new one, the old one. The old one. Yeah, for sure. But but what I do wanna wanna ask you is this because it looks like everyone's having so much fun, but mm -hmm. there is an amazing responsibility and onus on you guys or yeah. girls, ladies, however yeah. everyone identifies, but there's an amazing responsibility there. Do you feel it every show? And is it something you carry with you or eventually do you just let it go and just say, We're just gonna do the best show? I never let it go. <laughs> We, we feel it all the time. You know, it's like literally Mondays are script days. So I just went through our whole script. It, 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 you know, it just got rewritten and went through everything. And every single thing, it's like, I think, like, how are people going to take this? How are people going to perceive this? Is this a joke that has gone too far? What You know what I mean? It's like you just have to think about every tiny little thing and just think how how it's going to play for everybody. And do you think this is it? Like, you know, because this is going to run for the unforeseeable future. So, I mean, you know, is this where you stay now? You've had two jobs. You, you went okay. to a show, you got one job and then you got another job and now you're sitting here. Exactly. I mean, you know, I feel like this is a thing that Sam and I have talked about before, too, is that, you know, I'm almost 50. Sam just turned 50. Nobody hires women over 50. So I think what we're going to do is just we're like, we have to start figuring out, like, our own shows over and over and over again because we're the only people who are who will hire us. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the plan, basically. Right. Yeah. Uh oh. Oh, nothing. Well, it's almost time to go. I did have I a know, couple I questions felt, for you. I felt that go. Um, I'm just curious, especially with a show like this, um, because it's it's very well produced and very well written, um, but it's also the news, and yeah. the news has changed really rapidly. So, no much how how much work you do in the off season in quote. Yeah. You still are kind of just going live on Thursday, right? 
like Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday, right. So I'm just curious about that. What kind of stuff can you prep for as a producer mm-hmm. on a show like this to make it make your job easy enough that you can you can do these weeks when when news is flying at you like this? Yeah, I mean, we have so the way our show set up too. we have a field piece every week. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole different department. So they have like something that's going on that's kind of like a little bit different. It's like an offshoot of whatever we've talked about on the show or something that's completely different. So that's, you know, six minutes of the show that's sort of taken care of by our field department and they're amazing at it. We have, we do a lot of act twos that are basically like a, like a deeper dive into a topic that's, you know, a little bit meatier and different from what's going on in the news right now, like environmental racism or, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, And so basically it's just that act one chunk. That's the Mm -hmm. real. Got it. That, that's sort of like the most immediate thing. And that's something that, it, you know, now you're talking about like seven or eight minutes and that's easier to sort of like wrap your brain around. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Um, another one. Cause you've had, the, you're two for two right well, now, Jason. I've asked two questions and both have been answered. Yeah, and they're, no, they're very good questions. <laughs> that, uh, I was actually very interested in that answer. You got yeah, another yeah, one? Yeah. Well, I was just, um, I was just wondering, I know, cause the, the show comes back this Wednesday. Um, a little sneak peek on what you guys are talking about um, outside yeah. of the obvious, obviously. Um, <laughs> There's a little bit of like insurrection talk, I'll say. <laughs> Things about coups and what that means. I mean, honestly, like what we've been talking about too is like, I, I think this is sort of like a, a theory that I have about life in general too, is that what happens are these bad things happen and then people need to stay angry, but nobody can stay angry enough to fix them. You know what I mean? And that even goes for like gun control or something like that. So to me, it's the, our first act is who do you, who do we need to stay angry at? <laughs> like where, you know, who needs huh. to be the names that you remember in your mind and say, these people should be blamed for what happened. But we're not yeah. going to forget. We're not going to forget. No, not at all. No, I think that's a, that's a really good topic because it is something that happens every time everybody gets real mad. And, they, yeah. real, and they, they stop being as mad and then they forget that they're angry about anything at all. And then they get real mad again when it happens again. And, uh, yeah, totally. Did you just notice why Allison is so good at her job? She didn't answer your question. <laughs> I know. She did a little. She She's did a not little. giving us any sneak peeks. <laughs> yeah. I love I it. I mean, Allison, are you excited now for this to come back and be on the I, air and be rock and rolling again? I'm thrilled. I love it. I mean, that's, we, we're taping tomorrow and that's like studio day is my favorite day of the week. It's mm-hmm. the most exciting thing in the world. Right on. Are you in studio again? We are. We are in a smaller studio with no audience and we have a remote control room. So they're all at their houses in Brooklyn and New York. And it's just, it's incredible. Like even like just technologically that we can do it. So it's like Sam and me and maybe two or three other people in the studio. That's it. That's rad. Yeah. That's rad. Robot studio. But do you feel it's going to change the energy and how Sam looking at it without an audience? Because she's used to an audience, right? She is, but she really made a, a really excellent shift during the pandemic. She sort of sort of like changed her timing. She's such a good performer that like it it took her no time to figure out kind of like how to change her timing without laughs and clapping and things like that. And so that she just kind of like continued down that path for now too. So well, you're not gonna push in any kind of fake laughs or anything. No, no, no. Just, oh, that's yeah. great. Thank yeah. God. Okay. Yeah, I know I hate fake laughs. Bad. Canned laughter. It's the worst. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we got to let you go. Before I let you go, though, the last question I'm going to ask you is, can we count on you, Samantha B, and Full Frontal to endorse me in 2024? <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to get the aliens out, then I'll give it to somebody That's about. all I want to know. Just the aliens, and I'll give it up. Samantha B can take over. Exactly. Well, aliens are definitely real, so there you go. <laughs> the 
There you go, Jason. Allison, yes. You don't have to feed into this. You, you don't have become to feed my favorite guest now. ever. <laughs> thank you, Allison so Camillo. I can't thank you enough for being here. You are you you you're like a gangster. You're a boss. You're everything. You're doing thank it all, and please keep doing it because thank we need you, you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and right and best everyone at the show, and thank you, thank you for everything thank you're doing. You very much, thank, thank you. you Austin. See you later, okay, Allison. Just real quick, um, before we yeah. let Allison go, yes. just remember, uh, January thirteenth, that's Wednesday of this week, ten thirty p.m. Uh, is when the show starts up again. TBS, watch Wolf it. Wolfrider with Samantha B. Bye, Allison. Bye, Bye. Allison. Have a great one, Allison. Camilla. Yeah, hey, look, she's awesome. She might hate Fat Last, but I love them because that's all I can get from this board. Did you hear what she said? No fake laughs. They're stupid. I know no, they're stupid, she said? but I love You heard what she said. She said aliens are real. Don't. Yeah, that's right. I don't want it. Oh, my so the goodness. Harvard professor. Oh, my goodness. Well, I have a question for you, uh, Mr. Cliff Dorfman. <laughs> We're talking about all this stuff. Cliff Dorfman for president. Do you know who Andrew Yang is? Yeah, well, yeah of course. I mean, how do you, you not know who president? Andrew Yang is? Because they 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 uh, parodied him on uh, Veep. That's how I know. <laughs> well, Andrew Lane believed on a, um, something called a, a universal basic income, which meant everybody got a little bit of money. Right. So that they could live in that, you know, as opposed to, you know, keeping everybody above the poverty line. But you know what I say is the um, should be doing for uh, Cliff Dorfman's Cliff Dorfman's universal micromodal. Ooh, so everybody minimum micromodal income. So everybody gets just a little bit of softness. So they may not have a lot of things like food or proof that aliens are real, but they're so real. With their tushies and their ding dings. Let me tell you something. And if their aliens, wee wees. When they arrive, the first thing they're going to do is wrap their androgynous ass in <laughs> me undies because they're going to be like, this is the most comfortable. That's how they talk, by the way. <laughs> and they all speak English. <laughs> take me to, in a take British me to accent. your beechwood trees. <laughs> I heard you turn pulp to yarn. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite unique. <laughs> but meanwhile, let me look inside your butthole. <laughs> uh, it's so soft in there. It's not the email. It's no, not no, no. Rashi or anything. It's so soft. How did you keep your butthole so soft? I plan on probing a rough butthole today. Listen, if you well, it's a, it's a parting gift from the spaceship. After they probe the butthole, they want to. And by the way, if you're traveling light years, you got to be comfortable. It's like when, when you get you're a, sitting on your bum. Like at my dentist's office when I was a kid, where they'd let you open the treasure chest and you could pull out one toy. <laughs> But they're all filled with MeUndies. Take yeah, one. Take one. <laughs> Thank Ooh, you for look, your ass. Look, back to the future ones. You lucky dog. Ha, 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 ha. But for real, I got to tell you, I got the email today that all my new stuff that you got me as my Christmas gift shipped. Mm -hmm. And nice. I could not have been happier. I'm like, oh, my God. New softness is coming my way. New slippers with fur in them. A new onesie. Oh, jogger pants. I'm so excited about this, man. I got to oh, tell awesome. you, is that's what's happened in my life. That's uh, that makes me excited now because hey, we're stuck listen, at home. It's stuck at home. It's soft. And you know what is the as the as the uh, uh, unofficial candidate for um, the uh, aliens are real party. <laughs> you got it. You know, you can't you can't show strength and confidence if you're not confident in the strength of the softness. Of. You know, and I don't know where to go from there. Um, no, 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 um, but you were, you were, you were like right there. You were, you were right at the <laughs> precipice of a that's joke. That's why I'm a riding candidate at most. 
you were at the precipice of the joke and then you looked over the edge and you're like, I'm going to just go home. That's way too far down. I'm going to just go right home. But yes, me on these, get the membership, $19.99 a month, free shipping. If you don't like it, they'll just give you your money back. You keep the underwear. We don't, they don't, they don't care. Keep the underwear. We don't care. Keep the underwear. We already we touched care. your bottles. <laughs> Feel good. The aliens are real. Yes. I want to get a set of them that, that it says that on the inside of them. Like just like in the inside, there's a little pet like stitch on the inside, not the outside that says aliens are real. We've been here. <laughs> yeah. Like they sign their alien name on your butt on the inside of the butt. So it's go to go to meondies.com, offer code stuck for 15% off, right, Jason? Is that yep. did I get that right? Yeah. It's usually your line. Offer code stuck. Go to meundies.com, offer code stuck for 15% off uh your new purchase of me undies. All right. Thank you for letting us pay the bills, stuck at homies. So, Jason, what's going on? Well, first of all, um, I couldn't get my sounds because I got to play. I was playing with uh, Keith Andrews yesterday. So now I got the sound. That sounds alien y. Well, it's, uh, it's back to the future whenever there's something happening. Mm. Oh, and so, is. That's why it's so familiar. Yeah. So we were playing about, we were it talking about the future happen. in 30 years, um, it, which was a really fun talk we had to have on stereo. I just got to do a quick shout out to uh, all the stuff that you and, uh, ha- you know, if you are really interested in doing deep dives into different shows, um, Cliff duh, did a, you know, two now. He did a, a horror movie and a horror movie sequels talk over on stereo that you got to hit. That's like, it gets into it. They get into, uh, uh, they get into all the Friday the 13th movies for a long ass time, way longer than almost as long as the franchise lived and existed before <laughs> it got into cryo sleep and got turned into Jason X, to oh, which Cliff asked the funniest questions, um, which I won't even get into the Malcolm X stuff. Um, it was very funny. Uh, but, I found it offensive. Yeah, but they, they did. They, they, you guys did movies, you did movie sequels. We have some really great stuff on. I talk a lot of Star Wars on there. Oh, you do. Uh, you have uh, you and Mrs. Smitty. Your shows, just both of you are killing it. And if you're not on the Ad Stereo app, you should be. I mean, yep. because listen, at the end of the day, you can listen to podcasts all you want. This is an array of stuff that's going on live. You can basically call in by leaving voicemails that are going to be listened to by everybody, heard by everybody and commented on. I mean, this is the most, there is no other way to have an interactive podcast. And it's really fun. You know, it's honestly just really fun. You get to learn a lot of bit, a lot of new stuff. Um, so sincerely, if you, um, if you have any interest in talking about any of that stuff that's the place to come over and, and visit us on are you ready for some news oh yeah i'm so ready we've been all on right. a weekend i can't wait so i and with very little fanfare my first piece of news is servant season two is back oh i know they basically just dropped it right it's today i think it's end of the week but yeah servant season two release date it's uh yeah here i'm gonna just do this for you guys so we can I'll see the trailer together. Oh, good. Uh, um, because I want you guys to, we, you know, we're going to get into this again. It's just an interesting, it's interesting that they decided, like, um, I hadn't heard anything about this show, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing trailers all over the place. So I wanted to make this uh, make this visible for everybody. My name is Leanne Grayson, and I come from Wisconsin. <laughs> She's so good. She's so good. Do you all consider me? As a responsible and moral guardian for your son. They've taken Jericho. Leanne Grayson has been missing for five days. If you're watching, please come home. See, I wouldn't let her on. I wouldn't let her on screen. 
with that face right there. She looks so crazy. Like she does great. Well, she lost her daughter and now she's yeah. she's the anchor. Yeah. That's crazy. She's not the sweet child you think she is. Why hasn't you told her what she did? Oh, shit. We have to protect ourselves. They have infiltrated our home. What do they want with us? You have to understand, for Jericho, there's nothing I wouldn't do, nothing. We're hanging out by a thread. Her presence is an infection, and it's spreading. I want to see her get what she deserves. We are running out of time. You're tired of being with him. And his mother. I don't know why I keep doing bad things. I can feel the dark thing in me getting bigger. This is too far. Nothing is too far. I hope that you will consider me as a responsible and moral guardian for your son. I mean, come on. That looks good. It's this Friday. It's coming out. Yeah, it looks good, right? Yeah. I mean, especially the way they ended it. Well, I don't want to do a spoiler because right? the show is so good the first season because we, yeah. we broke down every episode. Yeah, we broke down every episode um, earlier. Um, actually, I think same, it was right? our Cliff Dorfman days. Yes, it was, right? So we're going to do the same, though. Yeah, we'll do the same with this one. Um, it starts on Friday. I believe that they're doing two episodes or three episodes to launch. Um, it looks interesting. And what I've understand is they lean a little bit more into the 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 dark humor of it all and the absurdist humor of it all. Um, mm -hmm. So we might see a little bit of a, of that. Um, it's interesting. The baby's back. We, that happened at the end of season one. Um, if you haven't watched, I won't get into it, but the rubber baby is there and it's looking as weird as ever. Um, very excited about it. I just, it's been too. so, it feels like it's been so long, right? But it's, it's been, been a year, right? Over a year. It's been since like Apple plus open started, which would have been last October or November. So it's been, mm. it's been over a year. So having it come back, I'm excited about it. And at the same time, I was like, I got, I'm going to have to go back and watch the, some of the last couple episodes again and really get back into it. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot there. Well, that's really true. And, and, you know, by the way, that, that leads me to ask now that you brought up that very interesting fact is what the hell happened in the morning show? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's been my guess was that's an expensive one. And based on those sets and how many, how many things had to be done there, I bet you that one's a tougher one to do over quarantine. That's what it is, huh? Yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but we, we got to we had a we got to talk to that awesome production, production designer, designer. Yeah. Um, of that show, and just he he talked about how meticulous that set needed to be to really represent what they were trying to do. Um, and we, you know, remember when he was giving us all those facts and all those computer screens and all that stuff? It yeah. feels like a show that probably requires a considerable amount of bubbling. Um, plus. Well, Plus some huge stars. Not that I, Rupert Gint, he's been in all the biggest things, right? That's Harry Potter's homeboy. So he's been in big movies too, but you're talking Corral and, and Witherspoon and all that stuff. I bet you it's a little bit trickier. Yeah, and to get back yeah, and Aniston. Yeah, and by the way, you know, that's another, that leads to an even more interesting question, which is how do you come back on a show like that during quarantine when you are the news and not deal with COVID? Yeah, that's also an interesting thing. I think it's going to be an interesting trip back, right? Because there's a lot of things that you're going to see that aren't going to acknowledge COVID at all, at least at the beginning or in at all. And there's some that are going to do it. Like we we saw that show. We watched that uh, that show that came out on NBC and interviewed one of the the, the actors that was all based around kind of COVID. Yeah. And then there, but there has to be some stuff that's somewhere in the middle that's that's reporting on it or at least it exists in the background. 
of everything um, may not be in the foreground of every story, which because it would get boring to just talk about COVID each time. I know this because I've been doing it for nine months uh, (laughs) just at home and with my friends. Um, So, you know, there is there is a limit to that stuff. But at the same time, I think that there has to be a place where, you know, especially on a show like that, where it's it's definitely represented as part of like the the light you know the 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 um the day-to-day inner workings of a of a news organization yeah listen and they i, I want to see billy crudup again like i really do i loved that show i thought there were moments in that show that were just so visceral and really resonated with me um <laughs> unlike um uh did you see that the um the uh, queen of staten island came to um hbo max to hbo max I know I, I didn't when I, I told you about because oh. we were talking about doing the Tiger Woods uh, documentary everyone so we're gonna we're gonna talk about it and want to go through all that stuff and dig into it um, and then I told you about that and then I opened up the app and the first thing I saw was the King of Staten Island on the top is like he's not gonna like seeing this is the main trailer I, the, the top I got angry all over again <laughs> I got angry all over again and why is it that even when Pete Davidson comes on screen on Saturday Night Live I just I'm like. He's not funny because <laughs> he's not, he's, he's a person. He's one of those ones. He's one of those Saturday night live people. That's at this point, he's a personality, right? He's one of the personality ones where you like him. Cause he's like, just cause he's there. Like he is, he is like one step away from just being like, having like a, you guys are crazy, man. Like, a, <laughs> like, a, like, a, but Garrett Morris was talented, right? But like, just one of those, like, like he gets like one, like quote that he says in everything, a single one and everybody applauds. Like he just needs a, <laughs> how about this? How about this? Catchphrase. He's never done a catchphrase as good as baseball. Very, very good to me. That's a good one. Right. That one was already he has no catchphrase that's yeah. even close to that. Yeah. I mean, he has no catchphrase. He does. He has that one character that goes, okay. Yeah. It's not a catchphrase. Yeah. Okay. You know what his catchphrase is? His catchphrase is, do you know I went out with Ariana Grande? (laughs) That's his catchphrase. I I mean, I'm I'm so blown away that this guy is who he is. And by the way, he's a wiry fuck. He's probably a good fighter. I just don't like him. (laughs) Like, like, you know, there's no doubt he could probably beat my ass, but I'm still going to say it. I'm still gonna say it. You, you suck. Him. I think you got him. I, I think, think you beat my him. ass. I think you can get him and Machine Gun Kelly uh, one hand tied behind your back. Yo, do so. you think Machine Gun Kelly's tough though? I think he's a tough guy. I don't think so. No, you think like he get him one good shot in the jaw and it's like glass. He's fine. He, he, he very yeah he yeah I think so. I think he's a yeah he I think he's sensitive. I think he's a poet. He's I think sensitive. he's a warrior. The, he's the warrior poet without the war. But you, know, um, you gotta you gotta give him he beefs with Eminem. Like Eminem will kill you. Yeah. Like Eminem's tough, no yeah. doubt. That guy can take a beating, give a beating, you know, like and yet Machine Gun Kelly will like come out and say bad shit about Eminem. Yeah. Blows my mind. Hey, you know, he's he's uh you know, he he does what he does, but I think I think you got him. I think you got them both. I think that uh Pete and him, you got you got it covered. Well, Pete, if you're listening, man, let let's do a uh, a sparring match for charity. <laughs> All right, I'll get in the ring with you at Wildcard, and uh, let, let's figure yeah. out uh, how bad you suck. <laughs> okay, uh, you let's suck. see what other news we got here. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I, got. I don't know how. What kind of? Uh, I don't know if you were a Carrie or a um, uh, a Samantha, but uh, oh. uh, Sex in the City is coming back. They've what does rebooted. This mean? What does this revived mean? HBO. They've revived Sex in the City for at least a ten episode season. Uh, Kim Cattrall will not be rejoining. Uh, so that's why I was going to say, if you're Samantha, you're Samantha out of luck. Uh, 
<laughs> Wait, so you're telling me it's the same women? They're not going to recast it and do it all over again? Well, here, let me even read it for you. Oh, the new series will follow Parker's Carrie, Kristen Davis as Charlotte, Cynthia Nixon's Miranda, as they navigate the journey from the complicated reality of life and friendship in their 30s to the even more complicated reality of life and friendship in their 50s. Didn't she do that in Divorced? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. what a 10-episode half-hour series named after a phrase Carrie uttered often via voiceover is scheduled to begin production in New York in late spring. What, what was the phrase she uttered often? Uh, uh, I sex in the city. Uh, well, Mr. Big. Uh, I, I I don't know. Oh, I think it's called. Oh, a video teasing a new HBO Max series called. And just like that. Cause that and was the just place. like that. Yeah. Mr. Big was gone. And just like that. Kim Petrell had to take. Yeah. Did they it? say why Kim is not coming oh, back? I mean, I've no, no, I'm sure. I don't think they've actually said that there was anything here. Um, but uh, there's been very few, you know, if you're a, uh, if you're hanging out on uh, on uh, Sex and, and the City uh, Instagram or <laughs> whatever, and just really getting into it, they've been fighting for a long time. Um, Over what? Uh, I, I well, I think that the accusation is uh, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is not the nicest person in the world. Is that an accusation or just a fact? Just a uh, an understanding that I've gotten from what little I've read about this particular thing. What is Stephanie saying? Kim and SGP had a long time beef. Yeah, but what's the beef, Steph? That's what we want to know. What's the shoes? It's over <laughs> shoes. Of shoes. course it's over shoes. <laughs> no, it's not right. shoes. I think it's I think it's money. I think it's how I think it's how uh uh Miss Parker has always positioned herself uh, on that show. Um What is the lead? She is the yeah. lead. Yeah, I, I mean, think she's the lead, she's number one on the call sheet. That's that's just a fact. If you don't like that, don't be on the show. Whether she's a you know a horrible person, a nice person, or whatever, she is the lead of the show. Yeah. She narrates the show, and therefore she's going to get the most money. And and all of you had an opportunity to break out, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know exactly. I, I yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Oh, yep. Started over money. Um, when Sex and the City started, Kim was the bigger star. She and, was, but Samantha was. I mean, um, you know, Carrie was still the lead. Yeah. And she had issue with how Sarah Jessica Parker became the star, but she was the star from the beginning, even though you were bigger, right? She is the one who's narrating. She's the I, one whose article it is. And listen, do you watch Chevy Chase's transformation in uh, community? Uh, I did. Right. He was the bigger, technically the bigger star. Um, that didn't work out well for him either. That's what happens sometimes. Like they got rid of him pretty fast. Yeah. You know I mean? It's like, and I was surprised when we came back, he was just gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But this is what happens. I mean, listen, to me, it's unfathomable because there's a difference there because Chevy was the biggest star in the world. And then for 30 years or 20 years, he just went away and he yeah. was gone. You couldn't get work. And then he gets back, he gets a shot and he still wants to know why he's not the biggest star on the set. It's like, dude, right. you're sitting next They're, to Donald Glover. Like, just chill they, the hell out. They, they, they put him in a wheelchair in season two because he wouldn't stop like getting in other people's business. So that was the only way they could get him to stop getting into other people's scenes. I mean, all of this ego. And again, I, look, I can't put myself in the position because I've never been in that position as an actor, especially, yeah. uh, but you know, you're all so blessed. You're all yeah. so damn, whether you say lucky, fortunate, whatever it is, like just chill out. Yeah. Listen, my wife has become the bigger stereo star. You know, since we started doing this, she's got these great talks and all these people come in like, oh, Miss Smitty, they're on talking. Is that I'm a, how it sounds in your head? 
Yeah, I'm gonna kill. <laughs> I'm gonna kill the internet one of these days. Hey, Miss Oh, hey, Miss Smitty, it's so good to see you. You're so great. I'm gonna talk about things. Can we have a talk, Miss Smitty? Burr, burr, burr. But Jason's fine with it. I'm fine with it. I don't care. I'm really happy for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, no, we can tell. Just saying, I, if the internet goes down on one of these talks, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but I'm not bitter or anything. I'm just came in as the bigger star. You know. Right. Listen, so so basically what's going to happen is minus Samantha, we're all going to be have, have you know subjected to and have 10 more episodes of Sex in the City thrust on us uh, all because no one can get another series or what? Well, cuz it's Sex in the City and if you're going to do anything you're going to thrust it on them. Yeah, that's very good. Are you going to I'd rather have that than it grinded on me. Listen, they grind you. They ground. They ground me to a nub. I mean, was, and then that, that second uh, movie, the first movie was bad enough, but the second movie where they go to like Dubai or wherever the hell yeah, they go no, to, well, that one nobody liked. Um, the first one I think was a good. Uh, the first one I think was probably a good ending for a lot of people. It gave you you know everything you needed, and then the second one was kind of like. It's kind of like it's one of those movies. It's like the morning after that moonlighting where Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis had sex. You're like, oh, we're done already. This is the end of the show. Yeah. We don't it. need the morning after. Right. We have no, the show is <laughs> <over. want> <laughs> Emily, that's very funny. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay. Well, I, I don't look at that. You gave me one piece of good news and one piece of kind of eh news. Well, here, I'll give you a piece but of what huge. I consider great news. Tell me. Uh, Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Who, who everybody knows is running the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, confirms that there will be a Deadpool 3. Ah. That, that it will be rated R. Nice. And, and it will be in the uh, the MCU continuity. So we will get... So it's like the opposite of the Sex in the City announcement. We get in another show with a boy who swears a lot and says dirty jokes, and it'll be rated R just like we wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's everybody's fantastic. getting their wish fulfilled today. So all the Samanthas out there, Right. All, maybe not, but everybody else is getting their wish today. Listen, and by the way, let's not take away. When I rag on Sex in the City, I do it because it's funny. I mean, it's amazing oh, yeah, what coming. they accomplished. You oh, know yeah, what absolutely. I mean? And, and, and the fact that it's still going and people care and even younger generations know what the hell this show is, you know, mm-hmm. is a testament to what they accomplished here. Well, you know, I don't want to, it's not King yeah. of Staten Island. This is a real, you know, piece of uh, monumental work that they did and will continue to do, whether you appreciate the content or not. But what are you saying? I'm so excited. Bless you for such good news. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, well, I- I agree with you. I mean, you, they've tried to do the reboot with the younger, the younger versions, and it didn't go anywhere. Uh, yeah, the Carrie Diaries, right? Yeah, the Carrie Diaries. So it, you know, but we're getting this, and now we're getting a rated R. Um, it's you know, Ryan Reynolds is a part of the writing, so it's going to take a little time, but <laughs> it's we, we know that now we're actually going to get a rated R MCU movie that's going to come from Fox and Marvel. Weren't we just talking about like the idea of the rated R Marvel movie and stretching it and what that means and everything? Yeah, I, I I don't think you were talking to me about it necessarily, but we do but talk a lot about this. Maybe it was with me, or maybe it was with one of the others, uh, one of your others, President Cliff Dorfman. Maybe it was with my wife. Maybe you and my wife are having talks. I'm happy to come on and discuss Sex in the City. Anytime. There you go. There you yeah, go. Okay, Steph, let's do that. By the way, because you know we'll have alternate you know uh, viewpoints. Okay, so so by the way, Deadpool three and Servant. Season two, fantastic. And let me tell you something. It's huge that Sex in the City is coming back. Ten episodes. I mean, it is that is a huge. It's huge. huge. I mean, it's huge. 
Huge. Huge. Yeah, so that's all, there's all that's coming. I mean, we can talk about some more stuff later because we're running out of time. But we're uh, done. How does this show shows up on Friday? Yeah, because you guys had a really good talk. I was really impressed. She, uh, you guys had a really good conversation. It was really interesting. So again, so, on uh, Thursday, it, it airs, right? Wednesday, 1030. Uh, Wednesday, 1030, TBS, Full Frontal with Samantha B. I want to thank our guest, Allison Camillo, for being here, exec producer. And uh, everyone, stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman, I love you, everybody. Be good. We're stuck at home.